All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. I am here with uh, Little Wolf of Isatai, a black metal project based out of Los Angeles, California. Would you mind giving yourself a introduction, Little Wolf? Hey, what's up, man? How are you doing? So yeah, I am Little Wolf, also known as Wolfcar. I'm the main instrumentalist for the band Isatai. Uh, definitely a two-man black metal band from Los Angeles, California. Basically, uh, so my tribe is the Comanche people, and uh, we're based out of uh, there's Texas, there's there's a base in Oklahoma and New Mexico, also known as you know the Lords of the Southern Plains, and yeah, a quick rundown from <laughs> this is like awesome. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. You um, you mentioned the the Comanche people. Um, I know you're currently based out of uh, LA, but um, do you get a chance to go back out there to the to the tribal nation and to the motherland? Uh, so I've been to Texas a few times. Um, I never really to uh, never got really into the you know got to see the res or anything. Like that. I, not that I don't want to. I would really love to. It's just uh, my family's from El Paso. Um, that's as close to the the lands as I'm able to get. But um, I would definitely one day try want to go explore and you know just get to know the you know the Comanches out there and and just you know see what see what the metal scene and everything's about out there. That'd be awesome. You know. I'm out here on the Navajo Reservation, and yeah, the, there's just a lot of fans of heavy music around, and a lot of bands uh, kind of spread awesome. out all over the place. And uh, there, there's definitely a pretty thriving black metal scene out here too. There's um, a couple of bands. I think probably the most well-known one would probably be like uh, Mutilated Tyrant. Yeah, they've they've gotten a lot of like kind of coverage just from like um, kind of like the online you know metal uh, press. So. They're, they're really cool and there's um uh, there's a couple other ones too um, a lot of there's a couple of one-man projects yeah definitely like oh, black cool. metal is like just um uh, pretty uh, uh pretty thriving out here and a lot of like kind of thrash metal bands around here <laughs> yeah. yeah like kind of going into like just you know the, the Comanche um tribal culture um how um like how would you say the the your tribal culture kind of influences like your music or just everyday life in general? Well, growing up, I was raised really uh, into my culture. My dad always, you know, would talk about our people and, and, and that's where our names came from. <clears throat> that's why he named me Little Wolf because of the Comanche medicine. Um, uh, and I'd say with, with my culture, it definitely influences my music because of the spirituality, um, the, re the remembrance of, of the past and the warriors of the past and the leaders of the past. And I feel a strong connection uh, that just is something I can't really explain, but I know it comes out when I decide to pick up my instrument and just start creating songs, definitely. And um, just as far as like playing uh, music, kind of like how how did you start out playing music? I guess you could say it, it dated back to when I was a baby. Uh, my grandfather uh, my, on my mom's side, I guess, would always like play his acoustic around me. And as a child, I was always like attracted and drawn to it. I would go up to him and, you know, just start strumming the strings out of nowhere, like not really knowing what I'm doing. But, you know, I was I was immediately attracted to it. And all my life growing up after that, I always kept bugging my dad, like, I really want a guitar. And, you know, 
he was like, you got to start an acoustic first. But I was like, obviously, you know, you've seen, you know, my dad would play like Slayer and stuff on VHS on TV and see them with these like cool guitars, like flying Vs. And I was like, no, I don't want acoustic. I want that. He's like, no, I get good on acoustic first. So my grandma finally bought me my first acoustic. And before my, my mom, actually, I give my mom a lot of credit because my mom was the one who decided to put me in on guitar classes. And uh, once I learned my first song, which was my dad, my dad's rule, he was like, if you learn one full song, I'll buy you an electric. So that's exactly what I did. Uh, once I learned that full song, he was like, all right, well, what do you want? And I was like, well, I know it's Kerry King from Slayer, you know, always the Mockingbird in early days. So luckily my dad for a Mockingbird and I've just been, you know, raising hell ever since. <laughs> That's pretty badass. You were introduced to Slayer from your from your dad. That's that's um oh definitely. Yeah, and I know a lot of um people my age out here, I think our parents are more into like country music and did you have like like bands um like you know growing up like before you started Isatai? Oh, there was a few, definitely. Um so during middle school I had some friends. Uh we I was really into, you know, uh, death, death metal, thrash metal. So I was getting into that, and I had some friends. We started my very first band I ever was ever in was called um, Bloodshed, which was a, like a death thrash band. And after that, I was in a few other bands. You know, going into high school, the name of you, Dark Nephilim, The Real Decay. There was just all these bands in high school, just you know, just wanting to jam with people and just you know gaining a lot of experience and you know all of that played into the band that I created all my experience and worth it going into this so I was curious I uh, usually what I do for uh, bands or you know people I talk to I go on the metal archives and um, I saw that uh, your kind of older bands there was um, a couple of um, uh, black metal projects um, uh, cult of odium is that I can you tell us about that? Oh, definitely. Uh, Cult of Odium is actually my live project. Definitely before Isatai, there was Cult of Odium. It's a three-man project. Uh, we're based out of here as well, Los Angeles. Alex Rojas, my singer, John. Uh, we started that, you know, like two years ago. And I think when the pandemic hit was, was when Cult of Odium, our singer, left the band for a little while. So that left me, you know, kind of bandless. So... I still wanted to create music and, you know, when the pandemic hit, there was nothing to do, but just, you know, be at home and riff. And I didn't want to let that create creativity go to waste. So, you know, I, I just picked up my guitar and, um, I, I had a, what was it? Garage band. Garage band definitely helped me, you know, start creating music really fast and start putting on music really fast. And so in that meantime of Cult of Odium being on hiatus, Isatai was born. And then my singer came back uh, recently, the beginning of this year, I think. And then we started kind of back up, started playing shows again, which is really cool because it's good exposure for Isatai as well. Because, you know, with playing live, I can, you know, wear the Isatai merch and, you know, people come up to me asking, like, oh, you know, like, what is that? And I'll tell them, like, what's my band, my side project. And then they just get really, like, curious about it and they look it up and they're like, oh, wow. So the supporters of Cult of Odium started supporting Isatai and vice versa. Isatai supporters started supporting um, Cult of Odium. So that's really cool that you went into the Metal Archives and checked that out because not a lot of people, you know, do that. But 
it's actually really informative and lets you know a lot of background based on the musicians and the members and the, the bands. Yeah, I uh, I started an account with uh, Metal Archives and I submit um, bands from this area, like the Navajo area. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, okay. I noticed like some of the bands out here don't have a page on uh, Metal Archives. So I've been trying to submit as much as I can. It's it's actually kind of hard. Um, I've got a lot of rejections. I think the people that run that Metal Archives are pretty uh, strict, like because <laughs> they like rejected a couple bands out oh, here nice. because they said... They told me that this band sounds like a new metal. This band sounds like a a gent band. I don't know. They're like, I was like, what the what wow. the heck? Yeah, I was kind of kind of yeah, kind of bummed out. Like, I probably got like five bands rejected because the the people that run that site are like, I guess it's not heavy enough for them. But I've gotten a couple accepted though, so um, I'm definitely a big a big fan of it. Just yeah, looking up bands and also just um, yeah, looking up yeah, like you said, looking up the members and looking up the albums and reading the reviews. Like I'm, I'm just like really immersed in, in this stuff. That's awesome. It's really awesome. And then um, you mentioned that Isetai got started um, during the pandemic. Um, for those who haven't heard Isetai, uh, how would you kind of describe like the sound or aesthetic or just the overall vibe of Isetai? So Isetai is... Well, since it is, it was a brand in the beginning, it was basically like an extension of Cults of Odium. So a lot of the style that I used in Cults of Odium, I brought to Isatai. But then with Isatai, I felt like from the beginning to where it is now, it kind of developed into its own thing. And that's what I'm really happy about is it started off as a very like, you know, Finland style, you know, riffage and, you know, drum beats, same thing. But then I started noticing just a transition between that to, you know, um, more modern style black metal, like, you know, some from Norway, some from Sweden, just because I started listening to a lot of different bands. And when I started Cult of Odium, it was mainly Swedish, I mean, um, Finland bands like Satanic Warmaster and Stargeist. And as I progressed with this tie, it was, I started listening to more like, you know, Horna, and there was, uh, there was Behexin, there was, you know, just a lot of, like, Hell Militia. There was a lot of uh, bands that I started really paying more attention to, and it kind of helped broaden Isatai's sound and differentiate Isatai from, from Cult of Odium. So definitely it's it, it's primitive. It's very raw. It's very, but it's also very aggressive and very atmospheric. It just, Isatai is, I think, the perfect blend of black metal where you get a little bit of everything all packed into this Comanche sound from like war. I don't know. It's, it's, it's its own thing. And I really love where Isatai is definitely going at this point. That's, um, that's cool. Yeah. You mentioned that it's just like a, like a Comanche like entity that's, you know, kind of using the, the Finnish uh, style and kind of making it your own. Exactly. And then um, I know like, Kind of more, I'd say within the last 10 years, there's been a lot of like indigenous, like black metal bands and projects mm. kind of coming out. And um, I mean, just kind of out from your own like opinion, how would you describe the connection between like black metal and like indigenous like culture and history? That's a that's a very amazing question. And I'm glad that you asked it because a lot of people don't realize that the indigenous people came from 
a lot of suffering, you know, a lot of suffering happened to our people. And a lot of that was due to, you know, Christianity and religion being forced upon a people that already had a set way of life and, you know, just way of believing and way of doing things spiritually, you know. And for me, if you look at European bands, you know, a lot of it was anti-Christian as well. You know, they, they were burning churches out in Europe and which I support, you know, I support that because, you know, religion is something that shouldn't be forced upon anyone. It should be a, a freedom of speech, you know, believe in it or not. But our people, you know, and I'm speaking on behalf of like every indigenous person who's ever been affected by religion or Christianity, you know, our people were put into, you know, boarding schools and, you know, were washed of their ways and all that hatred that I feel toward the people who did that to our people definitely goes hand in hand with black metal because black metal is a very hateful, uh, spiritual, you know, a very mournful music. And I couldn't think of anybody better to be playing this kind of music than indigenous people. I feel like indigenous people, this is their place. This is their, this is their music to definitely be part of. And, you know, not to give into the stigma that it's only European because, you know, we're out here, indigenous people doing it and we have every right to do it because, you know, our history definitely reflects into the black metal scene that, well, I'd say that I'm, I'm trying to create these days for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, I mean, I think you mentioned this too, but it's just, um, it can be really like spiritual too. I mean, like there's a lot of black metal bands that kind of use that, that are, you know, that worship like nature that worship the mountains and, you know, the, the rivers and streams. And I think in Navajo like culture, like, you know, we, we pray to like the sacred mountains and, you know, we, we pray to our, you know, water. Yeah, definitely. I think that there's a spiritual aspect to that. And I think out of all the like, extreme music styles i think black metal really kind of has that connection like i know like death metal is just kind of more like aggression and more like uh more like anger and you know with like yeah like grindcore and punk right. it's more like politics but yeah for sure i think like black metal can touch on like the spiritual aspect as, as well as like the anti-religion and uh like just that um expression of anger just picking back in real quick you know um so black metal and that's the beauty about black metal and that's the beauty about the connection between black metal and indigenous people is the fact that you know as much as it, it can be anti-religion and it could be you know hateful there's also beauty in it you know with the music that gets inspired by nature and you know just honoring the earth and, and paying respects to the earth as well oh yeah that's yeah that's that's true i, I really i really like that i was gonna say even um in, in our kind of like current society too, there's just a lot of, a lot of stuff that native people are still kind of, you know, fighting for, you know, just like our, you know, rights to our land and water and religion. But, um, I, I heard your interview on heavy metal Citadel and you kind of mentioned like, um, alcoholism within the, uh, the native people, like, um, yeah, it's just, um, there's just a lot of like stuff that, you know, native people are still going through, still kind of like battling. And I think, yeah, substance use and 
alcoholism is probably one of the biggest ones around here. Well, if you don't mind me saying, I also wanted to add that, you know, me as, as being an indigenous uh, black metal musician, um, I'm very, I'm, I'm actually, you know, sober and, you know, I, I don't give into substance abuse and none of that because of the fact that I know, that, you know, dating back to, you know, ancient times, the, the substances were a way to kill off our people and, you know, get, get us dependent on government resources rather than our original resources that we had around us for free, you know, not having to pay anything for it. And for me, being sober, the a sober Native man, you know, I, I think that black metal is definitely a, a way of expression to channel anything negative into something productive, something more positive, a positive outlet, basically. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I um, I work here in the on the reservation and in, in like in a like healthcare field, and yeah, just you know, seeing people like you know, battling uh, alcoholism and just the effects it has on their body. And not only that, the family, like the family uh, dynamic gets affected, you know, the kids, you know, see like addiction at a young age, and then it's kind of like, almost like passed down, you know, and they kind of see that it just gets normalized at a young age to the point where they when they grow up, it's just, you know, it's just something that they do. And, you know, it just kind of keeps having that perpetual effect on generations. Yeah, I believe that our people definitely can express our pride in our in our native culture, you know, and really understand that it's just a substance, you know, it's not something that that can take over you physically, you know, although some people do let it, you know, it's just a substance, it's an inanimate, lifeless substance that, you know, honestly was a weapon in the old days, but nowadays I feel you know, through music and through artistic expression, the indigenous people could definitely overcome that because, you know, indigenous people are very, you know, artistic and, and, and spiritual and talented people out there. It's just, you know, we have to just put more emphasis on that rather than the stereotype that there is out there. And then, um, you know, you mentioned the music that you make, it kind of keeps you connected with your culture, but, um, are there any other, are there any other ways that you kind of like, you know, stay in touch with, uh, with, uh, your culture? I mean, like, I don't know if there's like any like cultural centers out there in, in your area. Um, um, so yeah, as far as uh, keeping up with culture outside of the band, even though the band is a major outlet for me to, to put out into the world and to reach, reach like, a mass a mass amount of people to create awareness of indigenous black metal um there is powwows there's always powwows and you know that's a way to you know still still be part of people and be connected to to society and to to fellow indigenous people as well so yeah that definitely helps for sure my uh, my family kind of took me and my siblings out to powwows when we were younger so i think i never really asked them you know what what you know why but i have a feeling yeah it was sort of like you know just to keep us connected and keep us you know pretty much have us have that connection to other people and because we grew up like in a area of uh, arizona that's primarily like you know uh, white people and 
Um, and so kind of like on the weekends, we would go to like powwows and kind of like interact and socialize with uh, other native people. So that was for sure kind of helped us growing up. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I mean, I, I've only visited LA a couple of times and, um, yeah, I haven't gone back in a while. I think the last time I went, I was like in high school on like a field trip, but, um, yeah, I, I know like with major cities, there's usually like, um, like native American, like centers that, you know, that usually have resources for, for people who live at in the, the big areas, like, like LA. Yeah. So there was, um, there was a center that my family used to take us to when we were very young, um, for like tutoring and doing homework and also to socialize with a lot of other native kids. Uh, it's called the, I don't know if it's the California Indian center or something Indian center, but, um, it was ran by, uh, Phil Hale. Um, and yeah, cause Phil Hale was really, is really connected to, to the native community as well. Um, so right there, we were able to also meet, you know, fellow kids, you know, who were growing up and around the same age as us. And, you know, I see some kids there with like Slayer shirts, you know, um, you know, Morbid Angel shirt. And that was cool because it made me feel like, you know what, like as much as you feel like you're the only one because, you know, that's all, that's all you're really, you know, seen as. But no, it's like when you go to these centers and you see kids that are also into the same music as you, it makes you feel like, you know what, there is a place for indigenous people in metal it's just i feel like it needs to reach like a mass amount of people and that's why i'm glad there's like you know, spotify and social media now because instead of you know you know going to powwows also you can also you know go on there and check out the history of these bands and the info on where they're from so there's different multiple ways to, to get connected you know um in through indigenous people you know with social medias and going to these centers but so yeah i i definitely support the centers as well yeah that's um that's cool that, you know that, that you're able to kind of meet people out there you know or see people out there that are into heavy music out here out here it's mostly country <laughs> like it's it's like big time like yeah <laughs> country and rodeo and like people here like are ranchers and they have cattle and stuff like that it's so metal is kind of like still kind of like not fully accepted around here. It, it is starting to get more accepted. I, I noticed, um, I think as like people get older, you know, like, especially people now, like, like my age, like, you know, we're going to get older and hopefully if we can get a part of like the, become part of like the, the tribal infrastructure, you know, we can at least kind of like, you know, like normalize it to, to the rest of like the, the tribal um, council and government and stuff like that. What, are there any like future uh, uh, projects coming up this year or any live appearances coming up for Isatai? Uh So for Isatai, um we don't plan on becoming a, a, a live band anytime soon. Um, me and my partner right now, the guy who's doing vocals for me, his name is Tyler Lopez. Um, also known as Lord T, we're both in a in a pretty good place with this attire where we're happy just creating music, putting out releases, and you know just trying to get as many supporters as possible, trying to reach out to as many fans as we can, and um, yeah, so we're just we're doing pretty good with it with this with this project right now, and you know I believe that the obscurity of the keeping it obscure with you know digital releases. And, you know, through social media and through CDs and physical releases, 
I believe that keeps the, the mystique of the band. I feel like with this band, I don't want to really do any live, you know, appearances. Maybe in the future, you know, maybe one or two, you know, pop-ups here and there. But I think we're, we're pretty good where we're at right now as far as just, you know, releasing and, you know, doing these interviews as well. And, you know, because we seem to be working with reaching a mass amount of people. The Invoking in Darkness release came out this year. Um, I saw on Bandcamp there's going to be a, a release. Um, is it the Horns of Power? Is that an album or an EP? Or uh, Horns of Power was an EP, and actually on that on that album, my brother was actually doing vocals. Uh, Randy Galarza, also known as Lord Cedar. Any uh, upcoming EPs for the this year or? Any like future splits or demos? Uh, so we just actually after Invoking in Darkness, me and uh, Tyler Lopez released a, an EP over at a band camp called Forever Cursed. And that's uh, five brand new songs that people can check out and see where our current sound is. And as far as splits goes, we're definitely, you know, open for collaboration with a lot of people. Um, I'm I'm really hoping to collaborate uh, one day with with Blackbird because um, he's another guy who you know has the same message and is is creating a pretty good name for the indigenous people. So to do a split with that guy would be pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's um, doing really well. I mean, I, I spoke to him recently, but yeah, he he was just saying he's getting a lot of. Um, Kind of like just a lot of uh, uh, exposure, or you know, the like internationally, and you know, here in the U.S. as well. Um, so yeah, that'd be sick to have like a anything, you know, like a compilation or a, a split with you and Blackbird. Uh, oh, and then um, I was just kind of curious um, with your recent releases. What's how is the reception to those? Have you received any like um, you know? feedback from you know any major outlets or any international like listeners so as soon as invoking in darkness came out um isatai got a lot of supporters from around the world you know there was people from germany ordering cds and shirts there was people from um, north dakota from sweden from hungary from from greece it's just i, I didn't expect a, a an indigenous band to be reaching many places but you know these people you know found us and, and and they became fans and i'm just happy that you know people are learning about us and you know i'm hoping that this is going to open people's eyes to you know indigenous black metal and just create a whole nother movement of, of black metal that's going to you know go down in the history books you mentioned uh black braid are there any uh, other uh bands or music you want to like recommend to listeners uh, so I'll just use this time to, to throw to, to throw some shout outs out there um, for sure. I want to shout out, of course, Black Braid. I want to shout out uh, Cults of Odium, uh, you know, Wither Moon, Son of Leviathan, uh, Sharon Crook. Uh, yeah, these are a lot of cool upcoming black metal bands. Um, and Check out anything from Plague Demon Records, uh, Blasphemous Creations from Hell Records, uh, Adirond Black Mass, 
Records definitely always puts out some really good stuff. Uh, yeah, so anything from them, I, I would highly recommend. And these labels are really cool. Those bands are really cool and definitely keeping the spirit alive. Uh, let me see. Yeah, that's that's just basically it. So, you know, those are the, the main outlets so that anybody who's listening right now, you know, to take that down, you go on the websites, you go on the social medias, you're bound to find some great things. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I honestly, I've just been kind of listening to a lot of like, um, a lot of the people I talk to on here, I kind of just kind of listen to. So I've been listening to a lot of East Thai and some Pontley and Black Braid lately. Um, oh, one band I would like, I'm pretty sure you would really, really appreciate um, Six Million Dead from Phoenix. They're a, the black and death metal band from uh, Gila River um pima reservation they're really cool oh awesome definitely i'll, I'll definitely check it out cool uh yeah those are all my questions um, um thank you again for talking with me no not at all thank you so much for this opportunity and and you know i'm very honored to be part of this and can't wait to hear it when it comes out that was my talk with little wolf of isatai i really enjoyed that talk especially about the connection between black metal and indigenous culture and history also just kind of you know going into you know like the kind of like his background and um yeah so be sure to follow isatai on facebook and instagram for updates for future releases and be sure to stream isatai's uh, music on all streaming platforms you know spotify bandcamp uh, soundcloud youtube and uh, if you really want to support East Thai, be sure to pick up some music off the East Thai Bandcamp site. There's a lot of cool EPs and there's uh, two full links that you can pick up. So um, right now I'm going to play a song off of one of the recent EPs. Um, that's going to be the track The Vultures Return, which is off of the Forever Cursed EP. And uh, after that, it'll be the end of the podcast. So yeah, thank you for listening and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Yeah, go on it.